Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development, and each week we allow our listeners to take 10 and get the latest economic insights from our in-house economics team. And good morning once again to our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Good morning, Craig. Matthew, there's so much news to get through this week, both geopolitical and, of course, covid I wonder, however, talk about the local data. Matthew, it's been a big week of data locally with that wage data being released. What were the outcomes you took from the latest set of results? Yes, Craig, there was a raft of labour market data out, including the wage data. That wage data uh, that we got was for the June quarter. So it actually preceded uh, the New South Wales lockdown, or at least the hard part of the New South Wales lockdown. Uh, it showed that wage growth remained sluggish uh, in the June quarter. Uh, it actually disappointed the market. We had wages growing by just 0.4% over the quarter, and that delivered annual growth of 1.7%. Now, an annual growth rate of 1.7% is still miles away from the 3% growth in wages consistent with the RBA's inflation target band of uh, 2 to 3%. Now, the market, I think, got a, and commentators for that matter, got a little bit ahead of themselves um, in terms of where they expected wage growth to go. And I think what happened there is that the uh, expected impact of skill shortages in some areas of the economy were probably overstated. So in summary, Craig, uh, wage inflation, to the extent it exists, continues to exert a, a very weak impulse on underlying inflation. And of course, that's been a theme for quite a while now, Matthew. Matthew, the Delta variant continues to reach new highs of both case rates, but also hospitalisations on a daily basis in New South Wales. And much of the nation is in a form of either soft or hard lockdowns. Has there been an impact in the latest labour force data from these lockdowns? Well, Craig, uh, amongst the raft of data, we also received uh, employment data for the month of July. And uh, that showed that employment growth largely stalled. Uh, we just added 2,000 jobs over uh, the month. But more surprisingly than that, the unemployment rate um, shifted down sharply from 4.9% to 4.6%. Now, that rate is the lowest rate we've seen since November 2008. But really, the rate was down due entirely to the fall in uh, the rate of uh, participation amongst workers. And that's because workers are actually uh, having difficulty looking for and indeed being available uh, to take up work Uh, even during the lockdown light that was in force in New South Wales uh, during uh, much of July. But more generally, I think we have to be wary of taking these uh, July labour market results at face value. Look, the the labour market survey in July was actually conducted before New South Wales went into the full lockdown and while Victoria was still coming out of its lockdown. So the real impact of the spread of the Delta variant is yet to show up in the data. I'm afraid, Craig, there's bad news to come. Uh, We expect employment to fall sharply from here. Uh, We're likely to lose around 150,000 jobs between now and Christmas, and that should see the unemployment rate climb back above 5.5%. You're listening to Craig Valenzuela and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us through the latest economic impacts of COVID-19 that is shaping your investment outlook. Last month, we had the RBA remaining rather unmoved on the impact of COVID, noting the impacts of lockdowns are temporary. And on their past experience, we can expect a complete bounce back in the economy once they're lifted. 
Will this latest set of data, Matthew, likely change the RBA's approach to tapering? Well, the latest data won't, Craig, but the reality of the Delta variant, uh, both the reality at home and what we're seeing abroad, that certainly will. Look, the RBA has no choice now other than to reverse their plans to taper their bond issuance, that's their QE program, uh, from $5 billion per week to $4 billion per week. They've got to reverse that out. Uh, and they also need to extend their QE program from uh, its planned uh, finish of November this year and extend that well into 2021. Matthew, with the Delta variant being so incredibly transmissible, is it now possible that the effects could be more permanent than experienced under the alpha strain that brought Victoria to its knees? Well, the jury's out at the moment on the permanence of the impact of the Delta strain, but uh, without doubt, the depth and the length of the Delta strain's impact on the New South Wales economy will be you know, much greater than that on the Victorian economy uh, that we experienced this time last year. Uh, I think though more importantly, Craig, is that the Delta variant has rendered the strategy of elimination entirely redundant now as a long-term strategy for coping with COVID. But unfortunately, at the moment, we have no alternative to severe lockdowns until we get our vaccination numbers up. Now, when we do get our vaccination numbers up, we'll then need to switch from our, our strategy of elimination to one of containment. The overseas experience that we're seeing, particularly in the UK, and the results of the Doherty report show that, you know, if we don't have strict testing, contact tracing, and isolation of those that are infected, we would risk a pandemic of the so-called unvaccinated that would still have the ability to completely overwhelm our health system if we left it unchecked. So this means that even if we hit the Doherty target of 80% of adult population fully vaccinated, we will still have a large number of people isolating in quarantine, probably on a rolling basis. Um, that will lower our labour force numbers, and it will mean we'll still have to have controls on international travel. And these are the likely minimum long-run effects of COVID at this stage. And Matthew, whilst I am in New South Wales, just to highlight that I'm now starting to see Gladys, our state premier, really starting to position for that argument of once we get to 70%, we'll need to start to live with the effects of COVID. New South Wales is, of course, seeing no light at the end of the Delta strain tunnel with the case rates yet to peak. This week, New South Wales T-Corp issued a $1.5 billion in new debt with a larger spread than in previous bond issuers compared to the Commonwealth bonds. Press inferences, Matthew, were that the increased spread was down to COVID. Do they have it right? Well, you're right, Craig. Uh, the T-Corp printed uh, $1.5 billion of a 2034 bond. Uh, it saw market require a premium to Australian government bonds of 63 basis points, and that's an increase in the spread uh, uh, by 20 basis points over their issuance in July. So certainly spreads are going up there. COVID certainly played a role, and generally speaking, spreads to all state government bonds over federal government bonds have risen in the face of the Delta or the spread of the Delta variant. But in New South Wales, there's also a side issue there. Um, the decision by uh, the New South Wales Treasury to issue bonds at what are 
you know, obviously very low interest rates, notwithstanding these rising spreads. They've issued bonds to uh, invest in the money in high yielding assets such as equities. In other words, play the carry trade, Craig. Uh, that raised eyebrows in the market and uh, has also led to upward pressure on spreads. Yes, and uh, the jury's a little bit out there, though, Matthew, about whether it is a borrow and invest in the equity market strategy, but uh, time will tell. No, no, Craig, I think it's very much a, a buy and invest in, in, well, risk assets more generally, but yeah, time will tell. I agree with the risk assets point. You're listening to Craig Balanswell and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our chief economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us for the latest economic impacts of COVID-19 that is shaping your investment outlook. Matthew, this week the AFR did a large interview on our 25th Prime Minister, John Howard. Howard noted two future themes that are causing him concern, being geopolitical risks with China and the amount of local public debt. He noted that we are in uncharted territory. With Australia still paying off the previous JobKeeper and JobSeeker support packages, will the latest impacts of Delta and now semi-government government spending increasing to support newly locked down economies force a rethink of how we manage COVID? Let me just say a couple of words about uh, geopolitical risks around China, Craig. Look, we talk a lot at the moment about living with COVID, but an equally important question for us at the moment is how do we live with a Xi Jinping-led China? Now, globally, the developed world really must decide on a course to uh, engage with China, and that course has to be somewhere between appeasement and confrontation. Now, no doubt the West will attempt to strike a path somewhere in the middle of those two extremes. The question will be if Xi and China will allow a middle path or not. My guess is they probably won't. And that's really going to be the critical issue for the West, how to deal with that uh, going forward. More concretely for Australia, the hope that we can rely indefinitely on China demand for our our resources to underpin our economy, uh, I think that's a forlorn hope now. My guess is we have about five to 10 years max over which China has little alternative um, to our iron ore and metallurgical coal for the production of steel. And what we must do in that time is build out other export-oriented industry with a diversified client base that can replace our resources sector as a driver of growth. And here, Craig, I'm thinking of our traditional export industries such as agriculture, tourism and educational services, but also, uh, importantly, new industries renewables, uh, new energy mining, bioeconomy industries such as health-related biomanufacturing, they're going to be the new uh, investment themes going forward, I think. And throw in sustainable activities as well there, Matthew. You've been very consistent on this theme of how Australia can develop in the face of a challenging China relationship. But are you apprehensive on the future of Australia's economy like Howard highlighted? Look, in managing COVID, indefinite public spending to support what's essentially consumer spending is not a long-term solution. And you can see that from the New South Wales experience where investors won't lend unlimited amounts to government without eventually requiring a premium, uh, particularly in the face of deterioration in public finances. Now, central banks have been largely financing government debt, but eventually that road Uh, either ends, Craig, in inflation or lost decades of uh, low growth and low interest rates a la Japan. The immediate need, though, right here, right now, Craig, is to raise that vaccination rate to at least 80% of the adult population. At the same time, 
we needed to invest in our technology to test, trace, isolate and quarantine. Uh, at the moment, we are woefully underinvested in this space, largely because we haven't considered such measures as being long-term. We've thought of them rather as being temporary. Indeed, what we will see, and Doherty reports really emphasises this, is that need to have that efficient uh, system of uh, testing, tracing and quarantining. That's a long-term need. I suppose there's an investment theme there somewhere, Craig. Thank you, Matthew, for your comments today. And in summary, whilst the world watches with strong interest in the latest geopolitical events across the Middle East and East Asia, the spread and impact of Delta appears to be coming tangible through the latest data releases. And whilst the sluggish wage data was pre-Delta, our labour force participation rate previously on a real tear has started to fall away and the signals going forward are a bit of a concern. And are we starting to see the first signs of New South Wales Delta strain impacting the New South Wales budget with the state government's bond issue at a wider spread? And how will our institutional investors react to the growing debt levels across our nation and the potential pressures they place on interest rates going forward? I'm Craig Balanswella for QIC's QPod. Thank you for listening and have a super weekend.